You're listening to Beyond the Stacks from Milton Public Library. Libraries are so much more than books. It's our mission to go beyond the stacks and behind the scenes of your library with community-led content that matters. Programming that surprises you. And buzzworthy topics that entertain you. Hi everyone, welcome and thank you for joining us for today's episode of Beyond the Stacks. I'm Emily, the community-led librarian and I'm Lisa, the Teen Services Librarian here at MPL. And Emily and I are your hosts for today's very special episode of Beyond the Stacks, featuring a panel of Milton's outstanding leaders. Well, we're so pleased today to welcome Hassan Bassett, President and CEO of Conservation Halton. Uh, thank you very much for having me. Uh, it's, a, it's a pleasure to be on, and uh, I look forward to, uh, to the discussion. Wonderful. And also Adam Vancouverden, Member of Parliament for Milton, Parliamentary Secretary to the Minister of Diversity, Inclusion and Youth, and Parliamentary Secretary to the Minister of Canadian Heritage Sport. Wow, you did that better than I could. It's nice to be here. I'm looking forward to the conversation. Sorry that I have the longest title in the history of government. <laughs> okay, we're excited to have you here today. So thank you to each of you for, for taking the time to join us um, and to give us your valuable time. And I'd like to start this episode uh, by giving a little shout out to the members of our teen advisory group. They're an incredible group of high school students who work with us here at the library, and they have been so keen to learn about leadership as they pave their own pathways in school and in their communities and investigate future careers. And they're actually responsible for helping us to create the questions for this episode. I know they'll all be tuning in to listen, so thank you everyone for your contributions to today's episode. Wonderful. And to Lisa's point, um, we wondered if you might share with us your leadership style and maybe how that reflects your role in your in your work, in your organization. So Hassan, could we start with you? Um, absolutely. So, you know, just before I start, I want to, I just want to say that the, the youth group that came up with the questions. Uh, and, and I saw a quick list of those questions. If that's what they're focused on, they're already thinking about the right things for leadership because they were they were fantastic questions. Um, you know, the one thing I'll say is, um, <clears throat> given the nature of my job, which I'm assuming you know some of your listeners will be uh, familiar with, and if not, they can go look up what Conservation Halton does. We have a diverse uh, workforce um, in many ways, diverse in many ways. Um, but one of the ways they're very diverse in is that we have, you know, professionals with very um, uh, technical degrees, you know, like in, we have engineers and hydrogeologists, and then we have customer care teams, we have snowmakers, uh, we have foresters, we have people who work with animals, and, and we have educators on our staff. So I think your leadership style needs to be, um, needs to work for the type of organization you're in and your leadership style should evolve. Mine has evolved and, and it's evolved not so always in response to what I felt was the right thing to do, but quite often in response to what I've learned from the people that I've been surrounded with, both at my work um, and, and in all interactions of life, you know, um, leadership is, is one of the most written about topics. And so you can start reading and get lost in it, but. To answer the question very directly, you know, the, the thing that I believe in the most that has served me well and that has, I think, enabled me to learn constantly and adapt uh, has been um, just the principle of uh, respecting people. It's what I enjoy most about my job. It, you know, it is working with people and and having that 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 very clear 
sincere relationship as a leader sometimes you have to step in and you have to tell people you know how you feel they can improve or or where they're not but but there is always always an opportunity to do that in a very decent uh and constructive and private manner great and adam same question to you Thank you, and I would uh, I would say the same with regards to the questions uh, that the that the students and, and youth uh, sent along. They were very very insightful, and I'm looking forward to a good conversation. Um, my sense of leadership in my role as the member of parliament for Milton um, might be a little bit different than people expect. When I think of the word lead, and I often say this to students and young people that I talk to. I don't think about being in charge so much and I don't think about being in power so much as I do with a little acrostic poem that I kind of keep in mind whenever I hear the word lead in the context of, particularly in the context of politics. Um, and that's the word lead standing for listen, empathize, advocate and dedicate. Because I'll be honest, very, very little of my job requires me to be the boss. Most of my job requires me to be a listener and an advocate for other people and for important causes. I manage a, a small team of people, uh, some of which are here in Milton and some of which are in Ottawa. Uh, and that requires me to be a quote unquote boss. Um, but that the aspect of my job that is, is, a, is as a manager, as a people manager, is actually kind of a small part of my job. And it's not actually why people might elect somebody like me. You know, One of the last things I'd expect to hear at the door is like, how are your management skills for your future staff? People usually wanna hear where I stand on certain issues. And when asked that question, um, my, my response is, well, I wanna hear from you first because I'm here to listen, to empathize, to advocate for, and to dedicate myself to the people that I represent. I don't necessarily think that politician, politicians should vie to get elected because they have the best ideas or the most sort of innovative approach, or you know, the best opinion, uh, because everybody's got a different opinion. And there's no way that you can possibly represent 120,000 people and have one opinion and expect that it represents absolutely everybody in your community, unless it's something silly like, you know, the sky is blue. Everybody knows the sky is blue, except lately you look up in the sky and it's gray. So sometimes you're wrong. So you know, it's uh, it's really important that I keep an open mind as a member of Parliament and as an advocate for people. I fully agree with Hassan with respect to respect and listening to people. My, uh, my background is in sport and my current role is the sport of people. Really, my role is to listen to my neighbors and, and to ensure that they're well represented and that their voices are heard in Ottawa. And that's what I try to do every day. Wonderful. And it's so neat to sort of see, um, you know, from different different backgrounds, different industries, different um, sort of places in life that, you know, really there are those common threads of, of people and mutual respect and how, um, you know, if you can sort of work towards mastering that, that really, regardless of the things that you're interested in, um, that that can be that, that core value that uh, really sort of helps you to lead in whatever it is that you're interested in. The next question is, did you always see yourself as a leader? Did you fall into the role? Did you learn it was for you along the way? Or did you always aspire to lead? How, how, how did that happen? And how, what brought you here today? So, uh, you know, a number of questions in there, and they're, they're all really interesting. And it actually gave me a moment to pause and, and actually think about it, because you're just on this journey, and it keeps evolving and you feel a door opens or a door closes and you keep progressing and then you have to kind of take stock. Um, but in terms of, you know, did I always see myself as a leader? Um, 
I, I think because I've always ended up in leadership positions that that maybe I did or maybe I have certain you know propensity if not a quality to to be seen in in those positions I've enjoyed it and what I've enjoyed about it is the sense of responsibility um, I think if you want to be a leader you need to know that that you are going to have a very high degree of responsibility on your shoulders um, and you know that's the first thing and I've never shied away from that um, so maybe maybe you know that's where uh, the 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 propensity to, to be in leadership positions comes from. Um, in terms of this job um, that I currently have, it, it sort of, you know, fell in my lap. I mean, I, I was in a leadership position within a department and then uh, unexpectedly, you know, there was this opportunity and, and I took it. Um, so there's an element of luck always in being able to demonstrate leadership. There's an element of risk. Uh, when I, when I took this job, I didn't really think I knew how to do more than 10% of it, um, you, you know? And so you, as a leader, that is one of the big things you have to be comfortable with. And, and Adam pointed that out, which is how do, you, how do you do that? Well, by listening and by relying on people and by bringing them in um, to, to help you, um, you know, those are some of the core elements. And I think a lot of, you know, your listeners and youth may, may think, well, if I'm going to be a leader, I first need to become an absolute expert. So I know every single answer and I can get everybody who I'm responsible for out of every sticky situation. And, you know, not necessarily, that's not the prerequisite to being uh, a leader. I would, uh, I would again agree. I think if I keep going second, then I'm going to find myself agreeing with Hassan a lot because we've had <laughs> a, quite a few good conversations on, on things not too dissimilar in, in subject matter from this conversation. Um, but instead of trying to give you a synopsis of my leadership style or so-called leadership style, I'll just give you a little brief kind of overview of the last 20 years of my life and how I came to be the member of parliament of Milton. Um, as I mentioned, I was an athlete prior to being a politician. Um, and in 2004, I went off to my first Olympics and it was in Athens, Greece. I was racing two events, the 500 meter race and the 1000 meter race in kayaking. And I came home with two medals. I had a really good regatta. I raced well and I competed at my, at my, you know, my top level. And it meant that I got to carry the flag for the for the Canadian team out of the closing ceremonies in, in, the, in the last day of the Olympics. And I was really proud of myself. And I came home and I encountered all sorts of new experiences, you know, people asking me for interviews and coming to their, their gala events and being a guest speaker at their schools and at their businesses and stuff. And um, one day I was having lunch with my mom and I asked, she asked me how, how I was and how I was, how I was doing with the, the, the new kind of obligations I found in my life. And she said something that stuck with me for the last 20 years. She said that, you know, those little medals of yours, they're only about half an inch thick when you stack them on top of each other, but they give you quite a podium. They're quite a podium and the people tend to listen now that you've got them. So what are you going to use that for? And what are you going to say? And that, you know, gave me pause. I was about 22 years old when she asked me that question. And I've always thought about, you know, the responsibility that comes with having a voice. You know, a lot of people will say, oh, athletes should stay in their lane. You know, basketball players shouldn't be talking about politics. You know, athletes shouldn't be demonstrating on the podium or they shouldn't necessarily make their opinions well known. Well, if you're given a platform, then you have that opportunity. 
And some people might even consider it an obligation to speak up on behalf of your community when you feel that their um, rights are being uh, taken away or they're being discriminated against or abused. So I don't think it's anybody's obligation to speak up, but it's everybody's choice. And if you've been given a platform as, the, as a result of some success somewhere else, then it's up to you to use that platform however you see fit and however you think it's going to benefit your community and the people around you most. So I took that to heart. So I was an advocate for a couple of charities early on in my career. I tried to be very selective about who I worked with because I didn't want to spread myself too thin. Um, but I was very grateful to be an athlete and to have access to great sporting facilities. And I knew that, that it took me basically off the couch and out of harm's way. Um, I was an active kid, but I was also getting into a little bit of trouble after school before I was uh, before I found myself in, in sport and being kept busy by kayaking. You know, it's hard to get in trouble uh, with your hands when you've got both your hands on a paddle. You're pretty busy when you're kayaking. So, um, but I, I look back on my life and I think, wow, sport gave me so much. And in order to, to really fully account for that, I worked a lot with an organization called Right to Play that makes sure that uh, mostly kids, young people around the world whose lives have been affected by war, poverty and disease, and they find themselves in situations that uh, under no fault of their own, their lives are really tough. And you know, there's lots of great organizations out there like the World Food Program and UNICEF that do a tremendous amount to make sure that uh, kids and families and people in those situations have the, the, the basics around shelter and food and water. Uh, but then there's organizations like Right to Play that also make sure that kids can be kids and they can benefit from all of the things that sport, recreation and play have to offer. That's social development, that's physical and mental health, that's peaceful resolutions, conflict resolution, all sorts of things. I could list those things all day. But I became an advocate for that charity and I realized, hey, I can make a real difference. I can help raise money. I can raise awareness. You know, I, if I use my voice effectively, then maybe I can make my country even better and maybe even the world a better place too, right? So it was after the 2008 Olympics, after the Beijing Olympics, that my team leader, the executive director of Canoe Kayak Canada said, hey, you should run for the Canadian Olympic Committee's Athletes Commission. And I said, okay, what does that involve? So I put my name on a ballot and I asked a few athletes if they'd consider voting for me and asked their, asked their friends and their teammates if they'd also vote for me and they elected me. And then I went on to, uh, for eight years, served my athlete constituency in Canada and represented their needs. Uh, you know, whether that was on the board of directors of the Canadian Olympic Committee itself, uh, internationally with the, with the IOC um, or with the Canadian government and advocating for more funding for sport athletes and athlete development. And it was a really, really cool experience. I learned so much. I got to work on the board of directors. I learned all sorts of stuff about governance, which is basically how boards of directors and you know, people elected to various positions advocate for people and create positive change. And through that process, I realized that this is the type of work that I wanna do. I wanna stand up for people. I wanna create positive change. And I think that we live in the best country in the world, but that's not an accident. That didn't happen by mistake. That happened because people were intentional with their actions. People set goals and ambitions. They followed through. They listened to people and they created a better country every single day, bit by bit. And I wanted to contribute to that long process. And for the last year, I've been doing my best here in Milton to make sure that people have uh, their voice heard up in Ottawa. And, uh, and it was a long process. You know, I'm almost 40, but uh, back, back in my early 20s, I started laying the groundwork a little bit for, uh, for a life of advocacy. And I'm, I'm glad I did. And I'm glad my mom made that recommendation when I was 22 because uh, it was insightful. And that's actually the perfect segue for our next question. Our students were really interested in the concept of mentorship and wondered about your experiences in having a mentor or finding a mentor or being a mentor yourself. Adam, would you like to go first this time? Sure. 
Yeah, I don't mind going first at all. I, uh, I have kind of a short answer about mentorship uh, because I have found myself in uh, on both sides of that, that important coin throughout my, my career as an athlete and as a politician. I think it's really important that you find people that you can both look up to and people who are going to keep you accountable and ask you really good questions about how you're doing and where your development is at. I always had a coach. And, you know, I relied on my coach for various things, for insight, for perspective, and for advice. And he was always really good at, uh, at providing that. And then when I got into politics, I found myself, I don't really have somebody telling me what to do every day. So I actually asked my campaign manager to treat me like his athlete. And, you know, I said, you've coached before a little bit. He's a basketball coach. I said, treat me like that. Tell me every day what you think I should do. And it worked out really, really well. But now I'm a member of parliament and, uh, and I'm finding myself maybe on the other side of that coin sometimes more often than I, than I was before. So I try to remember what the best aspects of all of my different coaches were, you know, what was really effective, what was helpful, and maybe sometimes what wasn't so helpful and what wasn't so, uh, you know, supportive. And I try to do that with everybody that I meet. I consider every person that I meet a potential mentor. You never have to take 100%. You know, you can you can treat it like a cafeteria or a salad bar. You can walk around and go like, oh, I don't want spinach today, but I would like some iceberg lettuce. And you can you can treat your mentors just like that. You can say, you know, I like your leadership style and I like your sense of humor, but you're not funny and I don't find you to be a very good leader. So you can always pick and choose with respect to who you talk to, who you listen to, who you look up to, you know. And then you can also do it with what you read and what you listen to as well. Like uh, I, I like listening to pretty much every word that Barack Obama has ever said. I want to listen to, you know, um, the, the same token. I'm, I was a huge fan of Michael Jordan growing up. I looked up to him. His poster was on my wall. But there's some aspects of Michael Jordan's personality that I don't necessarily look up to. When I watched that documentary a couple months ago, I was like, wow, he was a tough teammate sometimes. He was really hard on the people around him, but he was the best, right? So how do you, how do you get the most out of yourself without being like a tough teammate? Those are the things that we got to really think about, explore, consider, and analyze constantly. I'm a very analytical person. And I like to, you know, I don't like making mistakes. I actually hate making mistakes, but I also recognize that when I make a mistake, there's a learning opportunity there. And a good mentor will always tell you that that's the case. Well, uh, you know, again, so this time I'm going second, and I'm going to say I agree with everything Adam has said, uh, <laughs> right down to the Michael Jordan thing, because I have a poster of him as well. That was my generation. That's who I grew up watching. But, you know, you, at that age, you know, you watch it and, and you idolize someone uh, for, 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 for the obvious things that, that you're watching them do. Uh, and then you watch the documentary and, and you, you see it behind the scenes and you see it in depth and you see the creation of what their output was and all of the things that went into it. And some were good and some were maybe, you know, not so good. Um, and, and it is like that with mentors. Again, I, I agree with Adam. I'm over 40 now and I still have a mentor. Uh, you know, I have a few in fact. Um, and so, you know, you don't have to have that one person who you formally have to sit down with and say, Will you be my mentor? You know, I, I, I don't think that, it, you know, that's always the case and, and that really works that way. But here's what I do. I do a lot of, hey, can I run something past you? Um, hey, do you have two minutes for something? And by now, people know when I say two minutes, it, it really isn't two minutes. Um, but, but I also look to people who are not necessarily, you know, smarter than me or more experienced than me, or, um, you know, or who will refine my idea. I think you also look for people who will sometimes challenge you on it to say, 
um, hang on a second. And I get that quite a bit. Uh, you know, I'll ask a question to one of my mentors and they'll, they'll ask a question right back. They'll say, well, how do you see that playing out? What's, what's driving this, you know? And I think it's important to have someone like that. I think, I don't think that you should necessarily be looking for people who'll sort of shout back at you or yell at you or say, well, this is the dumbest idea I've ever heard. Um, I think, you know, a good mentor is someone who's patient, who can see your journey, who can kind of, you know, because they've ha- they've done it or they have experience or they have something they can, they can bring and, and they ask you questions, you know, um, and, and that, that is, in my opinion, a really good way of refining your own thinking through a mentor relationship. Um, and, and so I would encourage, I know one of the things that, that you asked is how can, how can students go about and find those mentors? And, and again, I think, you know, don't look for one person that'll be with you and give you X hours a day or, 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 you know, uh, help you with a project. Um, I, I think it's, it's, look at who is around you, look at who's been through this and, and ask them to help with little aspects, ask for their opinion, ask for their advice, you, you know, um, and that, that is a valuable mentorship. And then again, uh, you know, as, as Adam said, um, we live in the golden age of content um, and that includes podcasts and, you know, Harvard business review podcasts and, and just very, very smart people who talk, uh, you know, with, with, with good narratives and good anecdotes about what helped them. Um, and, and I would encourage people to listen to that. And Barack Obama, Adam mentioned, is one of those people who, who just weaves in anecdotes and examples into a narrative that has a good message. Um, so you don't always have to read a textbook on something to know how, you know, how to go about it. And, and that's been one of the values of, of my mentors. A uh, few people in particular who are now retired, who, who, who've been through, you know, public administration and, and, and or environmental management um, will, will often answer me by telling me a story of when they were faced with something similar and how it ended up. And that's always very helpful. So I'll ask somebody say, well, if I say this at this meeting, because I want this thing to be, to be, you know, at the forefront, how do you think that'll work? And they'll say, so, you know, several years ago when I was doing this or something similar, I did this and, and that that's valuable as well, you know, uh, and you can't write that down in terms of notes and take it away and say, okay, I've learned a thing and I'm just going to use it always. But somebody's just sort of given you, you know, a lot of their knowledge and experience through a good story. So I think a good mentor is, is a good storyteller as well. Well, here at the library, we absolutely love to hear that. And I, I feel like from our conversation today, I know that our students and our listeners will be drawing from your anecdotes and your stories as well. And we're, we're so grateful for that. And I think we'd love to, to wrap things up just from hearing from, from each of you, what your, your idea of success is? What does the word success mean to you? Well, I think it's something different for everybody. And it's also a different story based on what your pursuit is. So I think there's a time to try to be a winner and there's a time to try to be a really good teammate. And there's a time to try to be a really, really good mechanism of support for other people. Um, But in every case, we're talking about better outcomes, you know, so you can have a better outcome if you study hard for your test 
or if you practice a lot for your game or for your recital, um, or if you, you know, train hard for, for the Olympics in my case. And I, it was very, very clear. It was very obvious what success was when I was an athlete. And honestly, it's, uh, it's far more ambiguous in my current line of work um, with the exception of elections. Obviously part of my job requires me to put my name on a ballot and that requires me to raise money and do fundraising and you know buy advertising and do all of those sorts of things but really that's not my job that's just how i get it it's just a weird kind of job interview that only politicians kind of have to do which is you have to go and talk to a whole bunch of people and ask them to vote for you and success when you know it's election time is just being elected you know and my, my first time being an incumbent will be sometime in the next couple of years, we'll see. Who knows when there's going to be another election? So success from the electoral perspective, just like crossing the finish line in a kayaking race, is very, very obvious. I want to be first. But success in my day-to-day -day line of work, I think, is far more ambiguous and maybe difficult to see. But I also think it's more important because as soon as I'm elected, and as I was a little more than a year ago, now better outcomes is all about other people. It's all about my neighbors, my neighborhood my community and the people that I represent. And better outcomes are honestly, from a government perspective, really, really slow, which is tough for me to accept as an athlete who trained to go as fast as possible for almost 20 years. Politics and government are designed to move slowly. It's so it's so that we make really good decisions. There's checks and balances. There's you know, levels of government that are required to agree on, you know, cross jurisdictional issues. Uh, there's first and second and third readings in Parliament so that, you know, things are deliberated and debated and really, really well considered. And that's important. But at the same time, I like to move quickly. So it's, uh, it's a tough balance sometimes. Um, but success uh, in my day to day means better outcomes for Miltonians and better outcomes for Canadians. And whether that's about health and wellness, you know, we're currently balancing or sort of battling, uh, fighting a pandemic, just like everywhere around the world. Um, we're fighting against something that we can't see and we don't fully understand, but we know that better outcomes with respect to COVID-19 are uh, quick vaccinations, um, you know, lower numbers in hospitals, lower death numbers. And, uh, and we're really hoping uh, that we can have a better 2021 and better outcomes for Canadians on that side. Um, but in the longer term, I also think about better outcomes for families in terms of their healthy and active living. I'm um, a huge advocate for physical activity and recreation. And, uh, you know, that's why I work, I get to work so closely with, with the San Bassett from Conservation Halton, because I think that, uh, I think that recreation and physical activity require a place sometimes, not every time. Sometimes you can be fit and active in your house or in your garden. Um, but we're really, really lucky in, in Milton and in Halton to have access to great outdoor spaces because one of the best parts about physical activity and recreation is an opportunity to reconnect and to connect with our natural environment. Um, so my job, you know, it's very over, uh, I'd say it's a big goal, but better outcomes for Canadians is, is what success, uh, you know, means to me as a, as a politician, as an MP with our current federal government. Um, you know, just to pick up on, on what Adam said, I was just, checking this on my phone. Um, we're recording this in mid-afternoon on a weekday. And right now, Adam, there are 11,284 people in Conservation Halton's Parks walking. You know, that's fantastic. So, you know, success for me right now, uh, starting in March, it, it looked like enabling our community 
to, in an equitable way, be able to go out and access nature, right? And my point with that is that there are expectations of me as the leader of an organization, as a, you know, a leader or a participant in a broader field. I'm a biologist who works in conservation. Um, we are looking at climate change, all of us who are looking at sustainability. And so I have those um, almost straddling professional and personal success um, benchmarks, you know, when you look at the field you're in. Um, and then, you know, there are expectations that my board of directors has of me. Uh, there are expectations that the community has of us, Conservation Halton. There are expectations that my staff have of me. There are expectations I have myself of how I want to, to, to lead them. And, and so, you know, every year I look at, you know, what would success look like for me? Um, and then sometimes that changes mid-year. 2020 was that year when everything changed for everybody. Um, and so we started January very confidently to say, you know, this is what success is going to look like for us, where we've got momentum, we're just going to go further, all of us. And, and then March hit and we said, okay, let's take another look at this, you know. Um, and so what I will say is it is good to think about that you know, to, to, to be, if you aspire to be in a leadership position, and even if you don't, I think it's good for you to think about it. And I think it's good to be okay with not having absolute clarity on what success would look like. I think it's good to look at short term, and it's good to look at midterm. And sometimes it's good to look at long term. And the advice I will give, I love hiring people, you know, when we have an opening, um, as I mentioned off the top, we have, uh, you know, a very diverse workforce. We have a young workforce, uh, relatively speaking. We, we hire six to 700 seasonal staff at our parks every single year. We would have had 450 to 500 working right now uh, if because of the pandemic, uh, the ski hill in Milton was not closed. Most of those jobs are our youth, they're young people, and, and we love bringing them on and investing in them. Uh, we invest in them, you know, in terms of leadership and communication skills. Uh, and, and, and so having been exposed to that side, one of the things that one piece of advice I can offer is, is always look at success at some point. I know, and I gave you my example of expectations and successes, but I think as an individual, you should be very self-reflective as well and, and think about success, not just in your professional in terms of professional development and growth and targets and goals, but, but it really uh, intrudes on your personal, the professional side does. And, you know, we have more knowledge, more awareness today uh, of, of mental health, of, of wellness, of being your best self. Um, and, and so, you know, the youth today, the leaders of tomorrow, should really take a wholesome look at what success is going to look like for them. And just like you don't know where your professional life is going to go, you don't always know where your personal life is going to go either. Um, so I'm not trying to say map everything out and then say, this is where I want to be in 25 years, you know, but, but always pay attention to that. Um, and, and, you know, the days of 
yesterday where you would start a job and then stay in it for, for the rest of your life are, are gone. People move around and, and we see it all the time at Conservation Halton. They move around for all sorts of reasons. And quite often they're not financial reasons. They're not professional development reasons. They're not their personal growth reasons. Um, and, and I think, you know, that, that that's, that's very healthy to do. So for me, success is, is very personal. Uh, you should always think about it. You should try and have some benchmarks, some targets, um, but it should be personal to you. That's incredible advice, especially for our students who are trying to figure out their own paths. And I think it's so important for them to think about, you know, what their ambitions are now and know that that might change in life and that that's okay. And it's such a perfect sentiment to end today's episode on. So Emily and I would like to thank you both for taking the time to record with us today and for answering all of our questions and the questions that have come from our students. It's been such a pleasure having you both as guests and we wish you all of the best in all of your future projects. It was a pleasure. Thanks for having us. Thank you. It was a pleasure. This has been another episode of Beyond the Stacks. A special thanks to all of our guests for joining us this episode, as well as to our listeners for tuning in. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts for more exciting content. Stay tuned for another special episode next month as we continue to highlight leadership excellence in Milton and celebrate International Women's Day.